Hey, gotcha. All right. Technical difficulties, Only of course. Took a couple tries, but you know what? Of course, that's the way it goes. Of course. Uh, it's that time of the year. It is, man. It feels like it went by far more quickly and unreasonably than I expected it to. Yeah, we've been podcasting for like just over a year now, I guess. Is it? It really is because like this was somewhere around like the fifth or sixth episode that we did last year. So I think it might have even been like second or third. I don't know. Shows you how much I know about our history. Yeah. It's you know what? You and me both, man. That's just kind of the way it goes. <laughs> I have a terrible concept of time. Like people at work, I'm like, how long have you been here? It's been a while, right? And they'll be like, no, it's been like six months. I'm like, oh. Well, in my book, that's a while. So like six months is a solid amount of time to be doing anything. So, <laughs> but that's me. Um, so why don't, why don't we kick it off with some, some thoughts about 2018? Um, well, you and I've been talking about this for a while. This is basically the golden age of gaming. We've definitely kind of hit in the, or hit the high point of it for sure. Like we've hit this penultimate point where video games are now considered to be, everybody plays them. Like even people that are like, I don't even really like video games. They play Fortnite or something similar, like they play something on their phone, they do something or other where a video game is very much, it's very much a part of society in a way that is unexpectedly, like I didn't expect to definitely get to this point at all. Not at all. Yeah, but it's great. It's it's good. Um, there's so many good games that I would argue even the the like biggest game media outlets are having a really hard time covering them all, it's, which is crazy. It's like if if you had to okay here here's here, this would be a fun question because we're entering like this golden age of gaming in so many different ways where gaming is officially hint like the is now a legitimate industry um, in ways that I'm sure well you you can go listen to other big. Uh, news networks to actually hear a far more professional opinion on this, but <clears throat> gaming has hit like an industry where it actually has specific terms applied to other industries going in on it as well. Where if you were to take 2018 and sum it up in one word for the gaming industry, you could say crunch, both for like the media perspective, the ind- industry perspective, which is the, the sheer amount of games that are being put, get, put out, the quality and the manpower put behind them. And then just the amount of time that re- that's required to really take in all that gaming has to offer. 2018 was crunchier. That's a good way to put it. I hadn't even thought about that in the context beyond devs. Right. But just like the whole industry, there's just so much of it right now. It's like we have to cover everything. We got to do everything. And if we're not doing everything, then we're, we're missing out on something. Like the idea of the fear of missing out is so much more prevalent in video games than it is. And as far as I can think of, almost any other game, any other entertainment industry on earth. Like you can think of TV shows, movies, everything like that. Movies probably come the closest, but everything else it's like, yeah, if you missed that, that's fine. There's probably something else out there that you're spending your time on gaming. Definitely not the case. Like the, this is the must play game of the holiday season. And if you're not playing, dang, you're missing out. Like you're not like the news cycle for dead cells was over before the game released. Which is pretty wild. It's insane to me. Yeah, no, it's it's bonkers. And it kind of spurred the creation of this podcast for us to be something that isn't by people who get codes all the time and isn't by people who play video games 24-7. Right. Um, for you and me, it was a game of hardware. Uh, we both got PS4s, yep. which we both adored. You got on the Switch. I did. Um, I adore even more than my PS4, if I'm telling the truth. <laughs> um i got a switch pro controller which i just love yep though that was a good investment i got one as well totally like i i'd say the best investment i put in a controller as far as i can think of the only uh possible exception being those logitech dualshock pro controllers that came out on playstation 2 those of you who had one you know what i'm talking about and you agree with me um <clears throat> everything else is just kind of you know, it's good, but nothing nearly worth the improvement for my gaming experience that I got from having a Switch Pro. Oh, interesting. 
Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's probably the best controller of the three uh, major consoles, which just blows my mind. Um, uh, for me, I actually upgraded my headset. Shout out for the Steel Series Arctis Three Bluetooth. The fact that like I, I didn't even know it existed, but this is a headset that can like plug into something and connect to Bluetooth on another device. So podcast plus games. Heck yeah, that's man. the name of it. That's really cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, you want to take this next note? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> uh, wait, the too many games to play or the off to a good start? About your the beginning of your year. So I got off to a really good start where I kind of churned through a couple games. I beat uh, I beat the Legend of Zelda to begin with like that was definitely a, a big a big mark i <clears throat> sorry i had kind of a bit of a cold thing over the past couple weeks um i i got off to a good start of really kind of churning through a couple games really beating everything kind of getting off to a good roll and then once like the school year started everything started coming out i started getting distracted it immediately became like oh i'm fully employed there is no way that i'll be able to keep up with all the games that i want to play um and it just started to get overwhelming. Like I beat, uh, I, I think I started talking to you about it. I beat Legend of Zelda this year. I beat Hollow Knight this year. I beat God of War this year. I beat all these games. Uh, I beat uh, Spider-Man yesterday. Like I, I got on a roll where I've, I've got free time and I get to enjoy different things that I want to play. But as soon as work takes over, that goes out the window. And I think, again, it's very indicative of just the way that people who work full time have a very large difficulty keeping this this up as a hobby uh and that's just kind of that kind of sucks but i guess it's also kind of a sign of the times in a way you know what i mean (laughs) absolutely it's like the best worst problem right worst best problem i don't even know what i want to play there's so many good games which just used to not be the case um, like, like definitely that's a, that's a topic that I don't, we don't necessarily have to cover on the episode. I can always talk to you about it after, but I made a list today of like, these are the games that I want to play. And I'm like having to like narrow down, okay, what do I want to beat? Like, what do I want to do? Because I need to do it in terms of, I have to complete it before I do something else or else I'm just going to keep bouncing off of things like a weird hyperactive pinball. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is like, for me, the game the year has been such a blur for games i almost like have a hard time remembering what i've actually played which i had to like look up and that's just crazy because i played a lot i forgot god of war this year that's that's how crazy of a year this has been that like (laughs) until i went through my list and like looked at the releases for the year and like people's game of the year for 2018 i was like holy crap i beat god of war this year that was like the one game of the year contender that came out this year that i'm having to think about um which is mind blowing. Uh, and that, that to me states a lot about how the year went. Yeah, that's funny. Um, this was a year that I actually got into a bunch of gaming podcasts um, that I want to run through real quick. Uh, Waypoint, that's by the guys over at Vice who run Waypoint, which is their gaming website. Um, really interesting team. They're kind of hilarious. I would say that they look at games um, in like a larger cultural context than just like the gaming industry, but just like, and beyond just like IGN's level of like TV and movies, but to just like beyond, like these guys are even into politics and they're not hesitant to talk about it. And it somehow comes together really well, which is really wild. I I weirdly enough gotten almost gotten like this. It was so surreal. Um, over the holidays, just talking to, you know, how you talk to relatives about things, you know, here and there. Uh, I got into a discussion with my um, stepdad about how gaming was becoming an industry. And like, just, and somehow, like, I started to, he asked me, okay, you need to explain that because that doesn't make sense to me at all. Because he works in shipping. And so the thought that gaming could be a legitimate economic enterprise is just not really in his, in his scope because he doesn't enjoy video games. He doesn't, he, all he knows about them is that they distract his damn sons from getting their damn jobs, you know? And, um, like, and I just kind of talked to him about it and I started talking about crunch with him and then about how, and then we just got into this, like, I think a good 45 minute long conversation 
where we're just kind of discussing the economics of production. And I started thinking about it and realizing, man, can you imagine what kind of an effect it would have on the gaming industry if game developers had labor restrictions and labor requirements and unions? It's coming. It's, it's coming. And I just, I started thinking about the distant ramifications of that where you've got, okay, I, okay, let's say you and I are, you know, as, as just a metaphor, you and I are a gaming, uh, gaming developer and a, and a worker for said developer, respectively. Okay. You, the, the, the CFO tell me that I have, you know, three months to produce the sequel that we really, really need. Right. And it's gotta be this great, fantastic thing because, you know, and three months of course is just not even remotely possible. I, I have to produce a, a DLC that's groundbreaking in three months and, and it better be good. Well, okay. I don't, I'm not unionized. I have to do this because I could get fired if I don't do it right. But now all of a sudden I have a union unions in like implant uh specific working hours they they have wage wage uh protection health benefits everything like that all of a sudden the concept of turning a game like red dead redemption 2 out uh in three or four years after gta 5 pops out or what five or six i don't even know um all of a sudden all those people that are working like 60 hour work weeks oh geez they can't work more than 40 or it's a it's a federal crime you know, you're exploiting your, your, you're exploiting your workers. You can't do that. So now that game that took five, five years of 60 hour crunch weeks to make like all year, all of a sudden that game doesn't come out for 10 years. What happens to the gaming industry? You know, that was like, like something I didn't even think about until I started putting it in terms like that. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think, I think it's going to be interesting. There's going to be, um, I think more local unions first, but maybe maybe we'll do another podcast on that. It's an interesting yeah. topic. Talk about it and get your take on it, because again, this is all from an like I'm very. You, we would very much be doing the layman gaming thing where you understand everything we're talking about, and all I know about it is like this is how I understand that companies work. <laughs> it'll be it'll be really fun to kind of get that sort of discussion on it. Uh, what it'll probably be is it'll probably start at least as. A, call it the Ubisoft developers unionize and come to an agreement with Ubisoft rather than national laws. Which should be interesting. So, yeah, Waypoint's pretty cool. Also, they're really into mechs, which just cracks me up. Uh, Giant Bomb, the OG, best holiday deliberations for game of the year. Yeah, God, I still haven't gotten through episode one of that it's i <laughs> it's love these guys but three hours an episode for five episodes dude i don't know man i eat it up <laughs> um spawn on me this is um bear with me as i this is going to sound cringy at first um this is a podcast started by a couple of um african-american guys because they saw that they're you know, gamers of their type weren't being represented in the media, like at all. Oh, absolutely. And this is not a token podcast for me. Like these guys are just plain awesome. These are guys okay. kind of similar to us, like aren't actually in like, I guess now they are because the podcast is big, but like just some normal dudes who love games and I love their perspective. It's just really entertaining. Sweet. I'll have to check that out. Um, actually I could lump in the optional podcast. Um, Paul Tamayo is actually on that, who I think in the last year started working at Kotaku. But previous to that, it was just some dudes who like didn't see people of their perspective, um, you know, talking about games publicly. And it turns out they're really good to listen to above and beyond. So um, three moves ahead is literally dedicated to strategy games. That's all they cover is the variety of strategy games, which is just uh -huh. like a really fun niche. Um, I really got into the Game Informer podcast because they cover a lot of ground and it's like a good way to keep up on the industry. And they do this amazing thing where they um, mark out the timestamps on their podcast so you can skip around really fast if you mm -hmm. just want to listen to like a few topics. So that, that alone mm -hmm. is worth it because I usually avoid podcasts run by stuff like Game Informer. Honestly, even Paul oh, it's, now, yeah, IGN, because I think that they're so corporate based. And yeah. I just, I'm anti-corporate, man. I'm not about that. <laughs> uh, 
No, this one's good. Um, what's good games similar to spun on me in the optional podcast. This is a podcast that's all women, oh, which is cool. se- a severely underrepresented contingent of gamers yeah, for lots of different reasons. We do not want to dig into, <laughs> but they're awesome. They're a lot of fun. Right. Um, Dipping into IGN, Destiny, Team Fire Chat. I would say that my major gripe with them is they're like almost always negative on the game, but it's like a good way to like understand what is coming out and also keep up on Destiny rumors. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull my I'm gonna pull the chip on my shoulder out here and say, uh, Trevor, if you aren't always negative whenever you talk about Destiny, you don't play Destiny as much as everybody else. Uh, Fact, and I'm that's okay with that. that's legitimate. Just the way that Destiny has become. Like anytime I talk. Because uh, you know me, I've put years of my, like, probably at this point, close to a solid a, a solid amount of time in my life playing that, that game series, like Destiny 1 and 2 now, and all of their residual expansions. And I hate Destiny, but at the same time, I also love Destiny. <laughs> that's, like, that's, like, consistent with just how that game is and people's mindsets. And so when they're, you're talking about a fire team, you know, fire team chat, um or like whatever whatever the podcasts are if they're destiny yeah. they're going to be predominantly negative because oh, for sure. if, you, if you put a lot of time into destiny you have nothing but negative to say about it because a lot of the systems on it are just really crushing to people who play who want to min max it whereas people who don't have the amount of time just go well guess i won't play it and then <laughs> but again that's a topic for another episode cuz destiny's not going anywhere no it's not um the other one is nintendo voice chat um i started listening when i got a switch um just because i was so out of touch with nintendo news and they just have they just have fun dude they just love nintendo that's um that's partly why for me switch is the console year even after the year that all three game consoles had because like if you like if you play nintendo it's probably because you love nintendo like it's it it generates an amount of love and loyalty for a uh, entire company that I think Microsoft and Sony can't even come close to understanding, for sure. And then the preeminent yep. podcast for both of us, split screen Kotaku's split screen. It's so good, um, Kirk, my boy, my Kirk, <laughs> my my boy. Kirk, our favorite games journalist. Jason Schreier, the most shrewd games journalist. Mitty Myers. Um, oh, so glad she's finally an official member, dude. Oh, that, I know. that was the piece it was missing. She's hilarious, and she brings a different perspective. So She brings so our was... perspective. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so those are the podcasts. Um, the last thing before we actually get into our game categories, uh, my favorite thing that happened this year was the Dead Cells review that KO'd that IGN Nintendo editor. Do you remember this? So much. This is probably the one news story this year that still jumps out to me on the regular, like whenever I play Dead Cells. Like, man, I remember when a guy completely stole somebody else's review of this game. And then it turned out every bit of like he's literally a like a high up editor. He is the Nintendo editor at IGN, the biggest American news video game network, and he's just like plagiarizing all of his work. What? Like that right there was huge because you you get fed this this constant statement that like plagiarism is wrong in journalism. It's wrong in academia. Academia, you will get caught. It will never work. And then. This guy literally got to probably the biggest game publishing company in the in the world. He got to an editor for it. Like he was editing an entire news section for a third of the stuff that they're going to cover or a quarter of it, I guess. And that's mind boggling, like by literally stealing other people's stuff. Yeah, oh, it was incredible. And I remember I was on vacation in Hawaii and I was like texting you like news as it broke. Yep. Speaking of Jason Schreier, this guy like challenged Jason Schreier to find anything else and literally like Schreier and then like a horde of internet (laughs) zombies uh, basically dug up everything. People came out of the woodwork who had been like trying to call this out for months. It was just, it was hilarious. The dude just kept digging himself a bigger and bigger hole. It was unreal. Everybody learned a valuable lesson that denial in this case did not help. 
<laughs> did not still not helping him um all right what do you say we dive in yeah you want to you want to get rolling on it let's do it let's do it uh categories in no particular order uh comeback game of the year i think it's pretty clear yeah it's destiny yeah it's you gotta give it to him i mean destiny 2 is almost a universally reviled game like apart from its weird launch which you've already covered in a previous episode and we won't get super into it because we've talked about destiny to its to death um everybody does uh i'm sure we'll talk about it again if you and i ever get a chance to go through the forge stuff i'm sure i'll at least in the near future, lament the fact that I couldn't play the new Forge stuff. But, like, for a game that, for me, I bounced off of after a marginal amount of time with it compared to its predecessor, that it came back so strongly and snared everybody back in and was just so good. Like, you and I played Forsaken again. Like, right. I, I got it for us and we played through it again. Like, total comeback. Like, sur- And props to them beyond impressive like props to them for actually you know listening and actually doing the work so right it was a good one um i think forsaken may be seen as the high point for the series oh all time it's it's the it's the expansion to beat and for for a lot of players um who are all lying themselves because that's all we can do anymore if Destiny 3, because there will be a Destiny 3 before there's ever a continually evolving game universe, like, wow. Um, for Destiny 3, if it isn't as good out of the gate as Forsaken was, a lot of people are going to bounce off of it. Everybody that said they're going to do that is a liar, but like, that's kind of where the mindset is. That's how good Forsaken is. So Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, the game I can't stop playing... Uh, for me, this was actually a series of games, and I didn't even realize it until yep. I was like putting this list together. You look at those; it's, those are all those are all strategy games. Those are all those are all strategy turn-based games. And like, if you had just asked me off the cuff, like in November, like, "Hey, what did you play a lot of?" I would have just been like, uh, "I don't know." But Into the Breach, Civ Six, Darkest Dungeon, Banner Saga Three, Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, One More Turn, baby. You, you know, you know why I've avoided all like I think of those games, the only one I act the only two I actively own, but only one I've actively played any time on uh, Darkest Dungeon into the Breach. I avoid those because that one more turn is such a trap for me. It like, so is. It's, it's like, so good, though. It's the next my my three that I'm going to talk about after we're done talking about yours have that same vibe to them. And all three of them I have to like distance myself from or else I get stuck in a trap. <laughs> yeah they're so good um how about you oh man for me dead cells destiny and diablo 3 like my 3ds um, those are three staple games really yeah like dead cells because i love the rhythm of the game i love i love roguelikes like if you talk to me about games that i have like i'll invest in if i if i'll just drop money on it um if you tell me it's a roguelike roguelike and then give me a really cool central concept to it oh yeah i'll play it um dead cells is castlevania inspired dark souls roguelike dude sign me up i'm in and i'm playing it like heck yeah i love that game destiny is halo but what if you added in uh cool mystical gunslingers yep sweet i'm in uh diablo 3 everybody who's ever played any video games ever knows what diablo is diablo 3 just makes it endlessly replayable um so all three of those are like based on the idea of taking a character, building them up, getting progressively more powerful and unleashing God power. And that's a power fantasy. I go to video games for, I guess, like outing myself a bit, but <laughs> there it is. If you literally had only those three games, you would be set for like be fine. five years. Yeah, that'd be good. Like, Oh, I got to the max power thing on my necromancer on Diablo. I'll just do another one. Oh, you're, I got all my stuff for my hunter. Sweet, I'll just do my titan. Oh, I never will beat Dead Cells because I'm not good GUD, so oh well. Um, that's just the way it goes with some of these games. Yeah, really is. Uh, the game I can't stop thinking about. So mm. I, was in, I was in Portland. I was at Powell's Bookstore. Yep. City of Books, literally one square block of a city that's a bookstore it's incredible like one of my favorite places on planet earth that, the best black hole on the west coast by the way 
truly. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in the book racks and I hear this guy start talking about the Witcher oh. and how his buddy needs to play it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I guess I own it. I just haven't opened it. Dude. And the guy's like, dude, you have to play. And I had to speak up and I was like, man, you really should play it. It is that good. And his buddy who was trying to convince him without losing a beat just was like, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. See, it, like He wasn't surprised. Like the fact that I've had that exact same interaction with like multiple different people in my own town tells me that this is a consistent vibe. Like The Witcher is like a cult, whereas other games are like just, a, oh, yeah, this is fun. The Witcher is like, this isn't fun, but you're going to love it anyway. <laughs> and it's like this guy who is in pals trying to convince his friend is completely unsurprised that a stranger yep. would chime in because it, it's like, just that good of Witcher, a game if you play the witcher you love it there's no like i kind of like this game i'm playing it's like you're playing the witcher you're about the witcher like it's it's that obtuse it, it's in the same way that like dark souls games are obtuse where if, if yes. you're playing them it's because you like them not because someone is like you have to play it. It's so much fun. You're like, no, it isn't. This is the opposite of fun. Keep <laughs> playing it because you love it, and because it's it's bought you in yes. some way. So, so if I remember right, I think I I beat the base game either late last year or earlier early this year. year, and then because we were talking, I'm pretty sure we talked about in our last game of the year episode that you really dug Witcher three, and we're looking forward to the DLC. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. So I basically finally got into Heart of Stone. Oh my goodness, what incredible yep. writing. Two of the best video game characters what ever written. And then I got into... Yeah, you told me, dude. And then I got into Blood and Wine, which is literally an entirely it's new game. New itself. area, new story, new arc. It's what an incredible deal. What an incredible send-off for Geralt. So much um, fan service that in that extra in blood and wine too like the heart heart of stone had some uh fan service in it like there were a couple of characters brought in from like other parts of the story uh like Geralt's extended universe but blood and wine legit the entire region the the characters that pop up in it everything that they talk to you and they know about you and they're related they're everybody's real like oh hey it's you like all of that if you have never read any of the books, did not understand what Toussaint was or, you know, who the Duchess was, didn't understand who Regis was, like, that would have kind of been like, oh, that's interesting. But for me, like, Regis was a character that before this freaking game, I thought, I legit thought was dead. And so he that's chose... so crazy. And so did Geralt. Way! This is insane! It was such a good DLC. He is um, he is one of my favorite video game companions yep. of all. Up time. there with Garrus, uh, Garrus Vicarian from Mass Effect. Um, yeah, that's up, what I was going to say too. Yeah, it's just his performance is so good. Um, and Iron Bull, in the same effect. So good, so good. Um, so how about you? What games can you? Oh man, about? uh, and I. Man, my games I couldn't stop thinking about. These are both very dumb. I need to add it. I need to add in. I didn't type it in there, but I beat Zelda this this year. Zelda was one that I couldn't stop thinking about. Uh, Breath of the Wild specifically. Uh, once I kind of got in the swing of that, I played it a lot. I uh, got to give an honorable mention to Hollow Knight. I spent a solid portion of my summer playing Hollow Knight and absorbing it and loving every bit of it. Uh, but my big one, like when I was writing for our notes for this episode, the two that I couldn't get out of my head for various reasons, one with guilt, one with absolute love and joy, uh, was Red Dead Redemption 2, which I can't get out of my brain because I'm like, man, I really should be playing this game. It's supposed to be one of the best games ever made. And then I playing it and I go, <laughs> God, there's so much to do. I don't want to deal with it. And I turn it off. Um, and then Spider-Man, uh, the 2018 Marvel Spider-Man, which I power on and I'm like, oh my God, there's so much to do. Thank you, Insomniac. And I just go off and I have like a blast swinging around the city. Like I can't get them out of my head. And ugh, especially Spider-Man. I, I finished it last night and I'm left wanting more and going, man, when does Spider-Man 2 come out? Nope, <laughs> not, not soon, soon enough. enough at all. You'll get to those DLC. Um, 
most memorable moments why don't you kick this off? uh for me biggest most memorable no- moment for me was when i finally got to hollow knight's final fight uh realizing uh the realization throughout that campaign what was going on the understanding like hollow knight plays out very much in like a dark souls sort of style where you have to like kind of piece together lore from picking things up in the environment and you really learn more about it the more you dig and learning that you know all these different things about the final boss and finally getting there and fighting it and the weird ways that that boss plays out i didn't 100 percent it so all of you people judging me for like not being the best whatever i'm on i'm a full i'm an employed adult um like that was an engrossing game like i i remember every big story moment in that game uh breath of the wild the first time you actively get to the top of a tower and you look out across the world and realize how big hyrule is and how you can get anywhere in it that was a big moment it's ridiculous um ridiculous then uh spider-man's intro like loading up the pause screen and having that title song that's so very clearly influenced by Sam Raimi's movies, which for me, are the, those are the first live action Spider-Man movies as a little kid. Um, and how much I loved those movies, you know, my naive mind and how it opens up with like the, the theme from those, but like remixed now literally brought a tear to my eye. And I have to also add in the final fight for the Spider-Man game was far more breathtaking than I ever expected it to be. And like I was up last night until two o'clock because I had to finish it. Like I got to the point where I was like, I know this game's almost done. I got to beat it. So very, very memorable for me. That's so awesome. Um, For me uh, in blood and wine, do you remember when you talked to that elder vampire Mm -hmm. in the cave? Um, you can talk to him and he like most elder vampires is annoyed and doesn't want to be bothered. And it's funny because oh, like, girls like, Hey, like that's like some of the up? best writing CD project red did for them. Yeah. So Geralt's like, Hey, I got questions, dude. And he's like, all right, you've got one. Don't test me. So I ask one and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a little bit sassy here. I'm going to ask another one straight up. Dude drops to the ground phases over to me rips Geralt's throat out yep. game over they they had to make it like they so had to make funny. it super clear that you you think you're all high and mighty because you're this you're this badass white wolf monster slayer this is a creature that's been that is older than anything you could possibly imagine and is stronger and otherworldly and it is just it wants to spend its time sleeping and you're like no it's gonna kill you <laughs> He's tolerating you. Yeah. And then like, also that just reminds me of the reveal, like talking to, to Regis and he explains that vampires basically came to that planet because of like the convergence or whatever it's called. And they are humans. They are literal monsters like that came through with all the other monsters. Yeah. They're just like aliens basically. That's so cool. Um, In my opinion. The farewell to Geralt and Yennefer was just yep excellent. Well, for you, you Geralt, only know if you beat Geralt those games. And for me, uh... <laughs> but we don't need to talk about. Uh, yeah, we'll pass. <laughs> um, in Deus Ex, which is a game that I finally played this year, uh, there's this mission where you are working for Task Force 14, which uh, is this international... Uh, is, this like, from, is this from Mankind Divided or from Human Revolution? Uh, so Mankind the game Divided. that I'm potentially going to ask you if that should be my next single-player game. Oh, then, it should be. Then maybe that you should spoiler-cast that one because maybe I don't want to know what happens. Okay. I will, I will censor it and say there is a mission where you need to do something sneaky in your mm-hmm. office. Okay. It's really good. Um, and then actually Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, the reveal of the mini bosses on the final level, an absolute awesome. delight. Uh, but I, w- I won't spoil that either. They are rabid versions of Mario characters. Oh, good. Really okay. Amazing. Because like, 
my my game plan as far as like switch games go it, i'm not buying anymore until i beat odyssey um and that's going to be a hard nut to crack for a lot of different ways like i've got basic like we talked about i've got tons of different endlessly replayable games on my switch so i don't need to buy anything new um but after i beat odyssey rabbits is the one i want to get oh it's gonna be so good um so I guess that, that takes us in the best atmosphere, which I'll just cruise into. Uh, I finally paid, played Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Let me look up when that actually was re- I want to say like yeah. released. Uh, let's see. 2016. Whoa, man. It's so good, yeah. though. Like, it's crazy to me that there are not more cyberpunk video games. Somehow there aren't. But Deus Ex just absolutely nails this atmosphere. You're in Europe. It's just hard to like describe, but like just the feeling of that universe with like all the augmented people and the crush that that's put on society and economics. No, it's, it's, it's definitely the universe that like I should go back to Red Dead 2, but I'm looking at it and going, I kind of want to, I kind of want to. And trying to decide what I'm going to do. It, so that's that's one of the prominence on my list when I'm going to when I ask you for your opinion, which we'll probably do after the episode. But I, I want to find out what you think I should play next. But it's as a first. Do you think the first person perspective helped immerse you more in the universe, or do you think that it like felt a little awkward at times? No, it's absolutely perfect, and it's the reason this game is good is the same reason Dishonored uh, is good is because they're immersive sense. That's all you had to so, say for me. Systematic worlds, you've got your powers, everything is a puzzle that could be solved a dozen ways. Every corner of the world is dripping with lore, dripping, dripping with atmosphere. It's incredible. And you legit talked me out of getting um, Prey after that speech right there. Like, I was going to get Prey for us, and you decided that I needed to get something else. And... It- like the same <laughs> idea that you should have it a, like a first person sim makes a great game. There, there aren't enough of them and they don't sell very well. So like the ones I can think of off the top of my head are Dishonored, Prey, and uh, Deus Ex. Bioshock, bud, which we will talk about because I saw that Infinite was on your list of games you haven't beaten yet and we need to have a discussion. Oh yeah, I'll get to that. But yeah, I, I didn't list it because it's right. been so long that those have released but yep no that's that's nice. one of the best so how about you uh, hollow knight wins it handily um for me it was a game that i i played a decent amount i played the final fight and i played um like a solid amount of like the exploration stuff like just kind of like or like the arena fighting there's a couple different scenes where you just have to do like a fight where i plugged into my tv and used my switch pro controller to beat it because i just needed the precise uh, kind of buttons uh, that the pro controller offers that the, I felt that the switch, like having it spaced out, I didn't feel as precise with what I did. Um, but most of it I played in handheld mode and I wore headphones while I played it. And the music and the sound design of that game for such a small studio is un, and it's incomparable. Like nothing ha- ever has come as close as that to me for being a game that I just wanted to like experience and listen to and enjoy. Um, so that one absolutely is the best atmosphere. But then as a solid, uh, <laughs> a solid honorable mention in the way that I think it's just hysterical that this kind of universe exists, the Hitman 2 universe is just so funny to me. Uh, just in the way that the environments play out, the way that the missions play out, the way that everything plays out, and the Hitman universe in general is just so funny. It's like if Tom Clancy decided to become a satirical writer. That's Hitman. And it's so good. Um, which, that was the game that you convinced me to buy over Prey 2, and I basically mainlined that when I was visiting our uh, friend Tim uh, this last weekend. Um and I'd love to get his take on watching it because it's such an incredible game. Yeah, it's uh, darkly humorous. It's one of those video games where you sound like a psychopath if you try to describe it to a non-video game person. But if you describe it to another gamer, they're like, that sounds... It's the normal. only game where I've ever legitimately felt like I might have some psychopathic tendencies. Like, 
the the throwing mechanics for when you can throw items at people are there's nothing as good as it in any other game i i play a hunter in destiny i love the throwing knife animation nowhere near as as immensely satisfying as when 47 throws a knife um or an apple or in a mission i played over the weekend a blueberry muffin uh it's the funniest <laughs> it's the best and most entertaining party game i've ever invested in and i can't wait until the next time you and i hang out and we get to play hitman roulette because i'm going to make you play it oh we're gonna do it um the game i was curious about but didn't pull the trigger on is monster hunter and it's not because that game isn't good this was just like this was so 2018 and that i needed to just like come to grips with the fact that i was not gonna ever get around to a marquee game and that was okay I probably would love Monster Hunter, but like I just don't really want to sink the time into it. I'd rather play other games. Think... So that was a game that I just constantly was like on the cusp of buying until I was just like, you know what? It's okay. I think I that's I don't one that with all the lessons that they've learned in this first console, like big time console release of Monster Hunter, that because uh, this is the only mainstream release and it's actually the most uh, I did some listening on it. I think it might have been Giant Bomb that I heard this on. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But the original, mon- or this Monster Hunter is the best-selling Capcom game ever made. And yes, yeah, like the fact that they managed to do that and the lessons that they probably learned from all the multitude of critic reviews on it, it's only going to make the next Monster Hunter to come out mainstream even more groundbreaking. And that's the one I think you and I are going to bomb into, um, which is going to be really fun because Monster Hunter World is a game that I honestly loved but know that I probably wouldn't be into it on my own, which is why I didn't play it. And we'll talk about that in a little while. Very interesting. How about you? Uh, Kingdom Battle. Uh, Mario Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, because you talked about it all year. And I kept thinking about it and then went, nope. And I kept thinking about it and then went, nope. Because I was on such a different kick, I guess, for this ty- the style of games that I was interested in playing. And grid-based strategy games for me, the only one that I've ever truly loved, and we literally talked about that, I think this week, uh, was Fire Emblem. And I haven't played any since Fire Emblem. Like, nothing at all. I haven't played XCOM. I haven't played XCOM 2. I haven't played Mario Rabbits. I haven't played anything. And I think it's just because, like, I worry that I loved Fire Emblem uh, so much that it's going to completely poison my opinion on the way every other grid-based strategy game works. So I want it but i haven't pulled the trigger on it yet you will enjoy it it's so great we'll we'll cover that some more later um what was the most pleasant surprise for you in 2018 forsaken destiny 2 forsaken bringing it back that was it um biggest most pleasant surprise for me a game series that i really love and it felt like it had kind of been abandoned and become monetized and crappy which it is still monetized and crappy just in a much better way now um and forsaken pops out and it's still monetized and crappy but it's got so many different elements of it that are just so make it so much more fun to play and i was just glad to have it back uh which was fantastic and it was a big great surprise for me yeah, good comeback for them. Um, for me, uh, so I really loved Watch Dogs yeah. two, and then I and then uh, Watch Dogs one was on Game Pass, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to check this out. I'm a big Watch Dogs fan. It was actually pretty good. Um, I really enjoyed it. If you enjoy Watch Dogs, if you like mm-hmm. Watch Dogs two, Watch Dogs one, pretty good, especially for the debut of a series where it was kind of a proof of concept. It's actually a pretty robust. Nice. Game. That, really enjoyable. That, um, it, it definitely popped out on the radar when I was originally looking, like when it first came out. Like I knew about it, but I never pulled the trigger on that as well. So I'm crossing my fingers for a Watchdog yeah, three. We'll Ubisoft is very is is getting much better with their releases and their focus on when they're doing like series and everything else. And I'm pretty positive that one will happen. The only difficulty I think they'll have with it is trying to find a location and a topic. Um, it's that's going to be kind of tough. Yeah, my my pick for that, my theory is London as a surveillance. Ooh, state. that could be cool. That could be really cool. 
most most observed city in the world or something like that. Like I don't know. Very um, much like a nineteen eighty four circa twenty nineteen style game. That can absolutely. Uh, favorite aesthetic, which is different than atmosphere. This one's just kind of like the aesthetic that you just loved and enjoyed. For me, that's into the breach. Mechs fighting monsters. It's just so well done. There's not really a lot to say about it. It's just a lot of fun if you love mechs. Dude, Hollow Knight, Questing Knight on into the depths of an old kingdom and their bugs. I really could not come up with a possible better aesthetic for a game. Like, Best it's pitch. so imaginative and it's so fun and it's so cutesy yet dark. It's it's so good. Like if you haven't played Hollow Knight yet and you're at all interested in it and you own a Nintendo Switch, you have to get it and you have to play it. It's it's probably twenty nine or twenty eighteen's must buy game release. Like it's it, 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 Hollow Knight and Switch is a must own without it without even comparison. Yeah, it's the best platform. Um biggest letdown you know so i played mass effect andromeda and you might think it was that but actually i thought the biggest letdown were the first two deep i did beat it yeah props i didn't get through my first 10 hours of that game which is mind-blowing because (laughs) mass effect for me was the best 360 generation series and i could not get through andromeda i just couldn't stand it so i just stopped so was it disappointing yes was it as bad as people said I think people kind of got, people kind of started piling oh, on. I, I it was all over not... it because it wasn't what I wanted it to be. I, and I, right. well, okay, I feel kind of bad about it. Sorry, Bioware. But you know what? You guys did not do it right. And you should have because you know better. That's all I have to say about it. They could have done better, absolutely. Yep. Um, I don't think it was the zero that everybody claimed it was. I think it's like... <laughs> So I it's guess, not a Mass Effect game worth, worth playing. Yeah, fair. Um, so actually, the first two Destiny 2 expansions, I found those way more disappointing. Um, and that's as even not a hardcore Destiny fan. Like, I'm just pretty, like, average. They were just so They're bland. Boring. They really are. What a disappointment. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of, yeah. <laughs> my biggest letdown i couldn't really think of any gaming moments from 2018 that i was really let down about like i when i bought a game i knew what i was getting into i played it i loved it i knew or i liked it and thought it was fine and you know all these different things my biggest letdown was by the end of this year after spending so many hours on destiny 2 and forsaken again after it came back out realizing none of it mattered and i got left behind anyway like, that's the biggest disappointment I have with Destiny 2. And again, that's an episode that I think we should record and talk about some other time if you ever get back into Destiny. Otherwise, that can be my one mini-sode that I do on my own, where I just rant about that for, like, I don't know, three hours. But, um, <laughs> like, that is my biggest letdown, is that I spent so much time on Destiny 2 only to realize that I was not... I was in a vocal minority or I was in a, a silent minority as opposed to the vocal minority, which is the streamers that play 10 times the amount I do and get everything to go their way. And that is what I think is just kind of why it's a big letdown to me. Yeah. I'm sure we'll cover destiny more in 2019. Um, the game I expected to play more of was FIFA. I've always put a lot of time into FIFA every year. For whatever reason, I was playing other games. Not necessarily a good or a bad thing, just... just Talk about a game that I've always been curious about but never pulled the trigger on, FIFA. I adore it. I had a lot of fun with it when I played it in Denver at your place, but I've never owned a game of it. Like, I've never actually bought it. It's, you know, it's EA, so it's very corporate, but it is an absolute masterpiece in control schemes. Right. I have never, like, I genuinely personally cannot think of another game that I know that I can teach somebody to play with, like, two triggers, two buttons and the sticks. And then they can go on to continue learning the controls for, like, the next two years. That's probably how it's going to be with me because I have a general idea how to play it now. Um, And it was a lot of fun when we did play it, like, really exhilarating in a way that sports games haven't ever been. That was a lot of fun. Um, 
so I can definitely see the appeal. Like I get it now, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It is the bleeding edge of sports games in every way, shape right. and form for better and for worse. Well, uh, my game that I expected to play more was monster in a world. And the biggest reason why I didn't was because I was playing it by myself. Um, and, I wasn't willing to put in the extra time when I was already, I already had destiny two as a game as a service game that I was playing all the time. I didn't want to spend that extra time to create a community for myself in monster Hunter world. Like I had with destiny, um, which is the main thing that stopped me from playing it. I think even if I had had one person to play it with, I would have played it all the time, but I was playing it by myself. And after a while it just stopped being fun because it felt like the same thing every time. So I eventually gave up on it. Totally yep. fair. Um, the game I'm just plain happy to have him play is Breath of the Wild. Um, I know, I know, I've touched on this before, so I'll just be brief. But like, this is a game that like I play with my wife. Um, she sits there and you know she'll call out stuff or like give tips or give ideas. We definitely like collaborate on this, and it's just like so much fun. So we're really taking our time to go through it. We finally just started in on one of the divine beasts. Um, it's just the game is a delight. It's been a delight to play it with her. By the way, if you got a switch and you don't have it, like what? By the way, I haven't commented on it just yet, but you did mention earlier that as soon as Metroid Prime comes out on the Switch, which I'm sure we're going to get a Metroid Prime collection um, soon enough. Like I'm biding my time. That's probably going to be the next Switch title I buy. Is I'm going to wait until that comes out and then just snap it up immediately. uh, but you are 130% right. As soon as that comes out, uh, your wife is just going to go ape over those games. She's going to love them because they're so backtracking, problem-solving, memory-based. Like, yes, there's combat. Yes, there's shooting and stuff like that. But overall, it's it's about figuring a world out, um, which is why we have the term Metroidvania. Um, it's because Metroid did it first. So, Yeah. Um, what about you? Uh, dude, I love the fact that we can play Overwatch now. In fact, like, yes. up, like I, I miss that we haven't played it in a little while because I've I've been having so much fun actually playing it with somebody and voice chatting with someone while I play Overwatch. But I love that we're finally on that train. Um, and then the fact that in 2018, now 2019, I have a Spider-Man game that I am fulfilling in a very distant way my five-year-old selves fantasy of being able to actively feel what it's like to play spider-man like i love that game i love that game it's i was telling my friend michael uh from puc who's the only other person i know that's beaten it so far uh, i was telling it i finished it and then texted him and said dude i know you're asleep but spider-man is probably in my top five video games of all time and he texts me back he's like dude i know (laughs) <laughs> it's in a way where if you read any reviews of it, the constant response is like, man, I wish they had updated the open world more, but man, does it feel good to swing. And when they use the word exhilarating or impressive or just a plain blast, they're underselling it because it feels better than any traversal mechanic in any game ever made. Like nothing comes close. It's yeah, I can, yeah, I can vouch it's for that. so fun. And so I'm just so happy that I have it and I can play it and I'm loving it. And I'll, it'll be a game that even if like I'm tired from work and I know I'm not going to play games very much, I'll come home and spend like a half an hour just swinging around the city and feel that. It's so incredible. Yep. I even love the side quests, which is crazy. because I'll, I'll probably never those. get bored of swinging down and beating up crooks that are stealing things from a car. Like I'll never get bored of that. I've been loving it every single time it happens. <laughs> All right, so Connor, if you were a listener to this podcast and you had to bet on what our favorite console of the year was, what would you bet on? Definitely the PlayStation 4. Just kidding, the Switch. Because all we <laughs> It's the Switch. All we ever talk about is the Switch. Switch, Switch, yeah. Switch. Most fun it's console. It's so great. And best controller. Yeah. Best controllers, plural. The Joy-Cons are amazing, and the Pro Controller is amazing, and they do two things completely different. Three, because you can have the Joy-Cons be a legit controller on the mount, or you can lounge on the couch with them, or you can use them as motion controllers, or you can attach them to your Switch and take them with you on long trips. 
Like, good job, Nintendo. You figured it out and you got it. Yeah, seriously. The game I meant to get through in 2018 was Hollow Knight. I know how good it is. I I have a few hours in it. I just felt like I couldn't give it the attention it deserved. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm going to get it. I'm going to get around to it. I, I love it already. You know, so I just prof- want to give a deep the dive. The profound into thought it. I had when I read that that was going to be on your notes of like you are a game you meant to get through. Do you know why it's taking you so long to get through it, Trevor? It's because I want to dedicate a bunch of time to it. And I just feel like I haven't yep. had that. And I don't know if I just need to get over that or it's, what. It's that. And it's the fact that you're playing your first Souls game, man. So you. Yeah, that's it's going to take you a long time to get through it because it's a it's a very tough nut to crack. But once you crack it, you're going to love it, and you're going to be like, "Dang, I need to figure, I need to find that again." Um, and lucky for you, there are like four of them to play. So, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot that I've been intending to get to. So I'm pretty excited. We haven't even talked about Ash, and we don't need to talk about Ash. We will get there. It'll be in 2019. Sure. Um. How about you? Game you meant to get Dragon Age. That's the third game that's on my list of games that I'm going to ask you about if I should invest the time in. I meant to get through Dragon Age. Um, And I did. So I'm going to just butt in here. (laughs) This game is probably second only to The Witcher for me. And I will go out and say heretically, I think that this game is what every Mass Effect wishes it oh, was. Oh, dude. I don't know. You're treading on holy ground. I know I am, and I'll stand okay. by it. All right. We, we, need to ha- we need to have this conversation um, at some point, though. It's like, what should my next target be for, for the games I want to play? And Inquisition and Mankind Divided... <laughs> And to a lesser extent, Super Mario Odyssey are all in that, that top three. Um, so you could do a lot worse. I know. I'm stoked about that. Th- those are the three I have to pick through. Wow. And I and I realize that that's like it's weird that between and I, I itemize them by system because I usually do better when I have one system to work on. Um, but like Inquisition would be my Xbox choice for a game over Red Dead right now because I know I'll beat Red Dead eventually, but I'll eventually run out of steam to go back and beat Inquisition. So. Um, it's a decision between those three. So, genuinely amazing yep. game. Um, my staple game all year. I would have predicted it was FIFA. Any other year, it would have been FIFA. But really, this year it was Civ Six. Civilization, that game series that continually eludes me, even though I keep hearing people go like, "Wait, but you teach? You're like a history teacher. You should probably play Civilization. You probably like it a lot. I know I'd like it a lot." But I, I haven't, you know, I, I have it, I have Civ 5 on my Mac, and it always made the thing run like a like it was a toaster oven, and I thought it was going to explode. So I didn't try that anymore. <laughs> but now that it's out on Switch, I'm running out of excuses. Um, the other thing is, like, I'll argue if, if, if um, Hollow Knight is my first Souls-like game, and it requires a mental shift, I would say that this would be your first turn-based game, and that's what's holding you back. Yeah. Uh, maybe that'll be my next Switch purchase. We'll wait until it goes on sale. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of tough on Switch. Yeah, exactly. The fact, like, and speaking of games that go on sale on Switch and you have to go, I can't turn that down when it's available. Um, as I've, uh, literally when it released, Diablo 3 on Switch, I had to text you, I think, that day and go, like, talk me down. Talk me down. Yep. Talk me down. And yep. I, you were asking and for we help. Consistently did, and we talked me down for a while and a while and a while. But eventually, it went on sale for thirty bucks, and I bought it. And it was Diablo three, um, on Switch, which I was like, uh, I this is going to be the third time I bought this game. I shouldn't buy it. I this is not worth my time. But it's the best version of the game, in my opinion. Like I texted my friend John Butler the exact same thing. I said like, Hey John, you should get this. And he got it and then texted me back like, dude, this this is also the third time I bought this. Perfect. And we we both been playing a lot of it. Like I haven't, I haven't hit my uh, first 60 level, uh, 60 level character yet, but I'm close. Um, It's just a very, 
It's a very cathartic game to play because, and I think this is the rhythm of the game that I tried convincing you about, but it's hard to understand unless you get there. But the high-end level of Diablo's gameplay is like you've gotten your character to such a god level of power and perfection that your gameplay is literally you click and run your character through these end, like these endlessly repeatable rifts of the most powerful echelons of hell, and they just beat everything like nothing even matters to them. And that's our yeah. I I just bounced off. I don't know. And why. it's it's because it's a weird it's a weird kind of game to play because it's a it's a real like it's a point and click RTS. You know, like in a in a weird it's it's an action RPG, I guess is what they call it, like a like a top down action action RPG, and it's a weird thing to get used to, and you only really like it if it's a game that you grew up playing. Like Diablo was one of the first three games I remember playing as a little kid. Diablo one. And uh, because of that, the I, the style has always strongly resonated with me. That's why I like games like um, Divinity or games like Pillars of Eternity. It's because they have that isometric view to them. Who would have expected that Nintendo would have the ultimate version of any Blizzard product, much less that that product would be Diablo? Overwatch Switch 2019. Let's make it happen, people. <laughs> let's make it happen people we need a paladins competitor all right the game of the year is here the category is here or what was it that we called it last year the game you played this year not goatee but the g u p t y i don't know get to the um yeah your favorite game you played this year Sorry, not sorry, but it's really The Witcher 3 DLCs, Heart of Stone and Blood. And Hard to beat those guys. Like, like I know I'm late. I know that I've been talking for the duration of the lifetime of this podcast. It's just so it, good. It's such it's good writing. Really- it's such good lore. It's such a good character. It's such good performances. It's so unique. It's so unlike anything else that's out there. It's so unpredictable. It's really it's not it's not perfect it's, it's really good. the role-playing game bar to be in my opinion because like it it encompasses what makes a good role-playing game is one that makes you care about the character you're playing um in addition to the fact that you can do whatever you want like there are two different kinds of rpgs that you can go out and, and buy and they're games where you become a character and you play that character knowing and understanding a story element and like a mindset and like an alignment and all these different things or you go out and you just live your own power fantasy. Um, the two best examples of each one are The Witcher 3 for the, you know how the character's going to end, you know the story, you understand the, the stakes, and you have to play this character as he's been preconceived. Um, and Skyrim, which is this game that lets you do literally whatever you want. Any You, you want to be a weird, necrotic skeleton guy that shoots cheese at people? There's probably a mod for that. Go do it. Um, live your best life, dude. Uh, and Witcher 3 is unsurpassable for now. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. The developers are working on something new. We'll see if it comes close. Yeah, if it, if it even comes remotely close. I'll be yeah, if, if within spitting distance would make it a great game. Yeah, so how about for you? What's your pick for the year? Okay, before I answer, does it have to be games I played and finished in 2018? No, it's just a game that you played enough to justify picking it for a category. Oh, uh, you had to okay. With that validation, Hollow Knight is my game of the year for 2018. Um, did you really not start Spider Man in 2018? I did start it in 2018, but I started it, I think, on the last two days of 2018. Yeah, I mean, who? But who I cares? mean, Hollow Knight, I played easily t- like five times the amount that I played Spider Man. And so I can't knock it because Hollow Knight is a far more obtuse and like game that demands you figure it out. Spider-Man is a game that's just like, here's your comic fantasy you've been wanting for 20 years, sucker, deal with it. Um, And like Hollow Knight is a game that does not care if you get it. And it, in fact, like its developers actively challenge you to get it, like figure it out, dude. And 
it's a game that demands to be understood. It demands to be explored. It demands to be experienced. And so for me, Hollow Knight has like Hollow Knight on Switch because I know Hollow Knight PC has been around for a while now. But Hollow Knight and Switch is how I experienced this game, and it's the game that wins my game of the year for 2018. Bravo. That was way faster than our first try. (laughs) We've had a little bit more experience in podcasting. What a year. 2018, probably the best game. It's just been the best game in video games for us, like that we've ever Like the simple fact that I did not... I I look through the list of games that I played this year, and none of them I look at that and go, ugh. You know, like, all of them are games that I, I enjoyed for the most part. Like, I enjoyed playing that. That was kind of fun, you know? So. Yeah. What an incredible time. And my so. 2017 biggest surprise, Far Cry Blood Dragon. Uh, what a wild time that was. <laughs> what a wild time. What another right. era that Man. was. All right, well, that's a wrap. Here's to a good 2019. Yeah, I'll make it happen, Captain. All right, later.